broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio in Gwinnett, it's time for Silver Lining in the Cloud, brought to you by Computer Design and Integration. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Silver Lining in the Cloud. I'm your host, Nicole Toptosh, along with my co-host, Dominic Rainey. How are you doing, Dom? Hey, Nicole. I'm doing great today. I'm a little, uh, uh, you know, this, I'm consumed by all this uh, media excitement about the new Prince. Uh, have they named that kid yet? No, they haven't. I think that perhaps they might want to name him after his great-grandfather, Philip. I have no That'd clue. That'd be a good start. Well, we'll have to wait and see. But one thing that I want to do today is uh, drop some names, and that's of the folks that we have with us in the studio this morning. Uh, welcome to the show, everyone. From the law firm of Eicher Thomas LLC, we have Carrie Eicher. With Advanced Aesthetics PC, we have Dr. Paul Fellman. And rounding out today's panel is Tom Leatherberry with Leatherberry Associates. Thank you all for being on Silver Lining in the Cloud. And Carrie, why don't you get us started and tell us about Eicher Thomas and your role there? Well, first of all, the... Uh Actual name of the firm is Ictor Thomas. Sorry about that. Carrie Ictor. Uh, it's entirely possible I could be mispronouncing it, but um, in any event, uh, Ictor Thomas is a litigation law firm. Uh, we are involved in just about any kind of business litigation that you can imagine. Anything that involves uh, business issues, contracts, commercial litigation, employment litigation, uh, issues involving trade secrets your relationship with your employees, non-competes, non-solicitations, non-disclosure agreements, any kind of contract dispute you might have, franchise and distribution issues. If you are a real estate developer and somebody's coming after you to collect on a guarantee, mm-hmm. we'll represent you and we'll get uh, uniquely successful results. We have handled a number of those kinds of cases. We've had jury trials involving those kinds of cases against large banks, and we've won them, and uh, that's fairly rare. We are also involved in doing high-end domestic relations work. Uh, That's divorce, child support modifications, uh, adoption, uh, and we do trust in the state's work as well um, on the litigation side. If there is a dispute concerning uh, probating a will, uh, a trust that maybe um, the family may have, uh, we'll handle those kinds of disputes as well. Okay, many, many different cases. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a plethora of law firms that are out there today, and what <clears throat> makes you different from those other law firms? I would say principally the quality of people that we have. All of the partners in our law firm come from large law firms uh, with hundreds of lawyers. That's where we all started our careers. And in order to um, start at those law firms, you have to have a a certain pedigree, if you will, in terms of your academic success and your background. And so all of the partners come from that kind of pedigree. We've been uh, through large law firms, which means that we've had the kind of training uh, that you have to have to operate at the highest echelons of the practice of law. And then the associates that we've hired, I I have a sort of unique business model. I was a college debater. And uh, if you're going to be a college debater, and you're going to be successful, it means that you were debating at least for two or three years when you're in high school. 
And if you are a championship-level college debater, that means that you've probably been doing it four years in college, which means you've got people who are, have been on their feet making arguments, doing research, and doing exactly the kind of analysis that trial lawyers want to be involved in uh, for seven years before they even get to law school. I hire nothing but championship-level former college debaters as associates so that when they get to the practice of law, they're light years ahead of their peers and the competition. And for that level of service, I know that there's definitely cost that's involved. How do you bill for your services? Well, typically um, we bill based upon hourly rate, but one of the things that makes us somewhat different from other firms, particularly big firms as well, is that we have a high degree of flexibility about the manner in which we bill. Um, For example, uh, if a client doesn't feel as though uh, they can afford to pay full hourly rate uh, or they simply don't want to and they would prefer to partner with the law firm in terms of handling the case. We can do things on a partial hourly rate, partial contingent fee, where we take a lower hourly rate, say 60% of our standard, and say 15% of any recovery if you're the plaintiff in the case. Okay. If one of the problems with being a defendant in a case is that you don't get a recovery, so one way that you can approach the billing process in a creative sort of way if you're representing a defendant is you can agree to a discount against your standard hourly rate Mm -hmm. and then take a success fee, which can be measured in any of a number of ways, usually based upon what is at risk in the litigation, and what kind of result you deliver based upon that risk. We can also do things on a straight contingent fee basis from time to time, and we do that once we've been involved in the case for a sufficient amount of time to be able to evaluate the prospects for success in the case. And um, we've uh, enjoyed pretty good success in those cases as well. Okay. And what are uh, some of the things that you see going on in law right now with uh, so much in the media that you feel that both businesses and individuals need to know about? Well, I would say that the number one thing that's going on right now is uh, coming out of Washington, you're seeing a lot of changes with um, wage and hours laws. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that's because of changes in technology. Um, It's very hard to tell these days when an employee is on the job. We have technology that allows us to access our offices. Um, I have mine sitting right here next to me. I can look at my emails. I can look at documents sitting here in your waiting room. When I go home at night, in the middle of the night, I'm fully accessible to clients, to the office, and most people are that way. So it's really hard to draw a bright line now between when you are on the clock and when you're not on the clock. And the Fair Labor Standards Act is the law that determines whether or not you should be paid overtime. And in, if you are on the clock and you go over a certain threshold, you should be, be, be paid overtime. So one of the things that employers have to be cognizant about is having standards that define when their employees are on the clock and what employees should and should not be doing when they are off the clock so they don't expose themselves. And record-keeping associated with uh, what the employees are doing and when they're on the clock and when they're off the clock is very important. You also have um, to be very conscious these days if you're an employer of 
NLRB rules having to do with things like if an employee posts something on their Facebook page that's critical of the employer and you decide you don't like that they said that, notwithstanding the fact that they may be an at-will employee and you should be able under state law to fire them for the nasty things that they have said about you and your business, NLRB rules, if you're within the jurisdiction of the National Labor Relations Board, say that you cannot fire them because that may be regarded as some sort of organizing um, or commentary that is protected under federal law. Closer to home, there have been changes in Georgia law with respect to the enforceability of non-competition covenants. Uh, For most businesses, our most valuable assets are the people who work for us. And if those people can decide that they're going to take the relationships that they create and the skills that they learn on the employer's dime and declare free agency and go set up their own business uh, with impunity, then then you have just lost good quality people and you're going to lose business along with that. So the law has recently changed in the last two years. The statutory law in Georgia is now much more forgiving of non-competition covenants. They allow employers to have enforceable agreements of that type. And um, and if you have non-competition covenants and you haven't taken a look, look at that law and the change in the law over the course of the past two years and adjusted your agreements, that's something that you need to do. And if you have, you're an employer and you decided that you don't want those kinds of agreements in the past because they're not enforceable, you got to take a second look. Great information. I wasn't aware of all those changes in the law, especially pertaining to us residents here in Georgia. Mm-hmm. We're listening to Carrie Ictor with Ictor Thomas, and the subject is legal. Carrie, uh, how do you go about finding a good commercial litigation lawyer? How, how, what do people look for? Um, well, I would say that your first step should be listening to Business Radio X. Awesome. Um, and um, if, you, uh, if you do that, maybe you've already found a good business litigator. Um, but um, uh, go online, do your research, talk to people in your business area, um, run searches on, on any of the um, uh, search engines that are available to you and uh, see who the people are out there who are practicing in a particular area, and then uh, do your due diligence. Well, from listening to you, Carrie, I know you've probably handled a few big cases. Can you share one of those uh, that you recently handled? Well, right now we're in the middle of a couple that are pretty big. Um, I have one case that is a trust in the states case um, that involves a trust that had $97 million in it when we started. And litigation arose, and then we started investigating some of the background about that trust. And lo and behold, there was an additional claim that could be made for about another $137 million. So that's a big case, and uh, it looks like that particular case is getting resolved. I also represent the Development Authority of Fulton County. There's ongoing litigation where a so-called taxpayer advocate is challenging Uh, the validity and constitutionality of the development revenue bond law and a number of transactions, about 50 transactions that have been closed under uh, that law. And when all is said and done, I haven't sat down and quantified the exact number that is at issue, but if uh, that 
case were to, if they were successful in those challenges, that could implicate over a billion dollars worth of transactions. So um, those are some fairly significant cases. Thanks, Gary. Uh, you, you said you look for uh, great debaters. Um, I, I really uh, tuned in on that. Uh, there's got to be some training, though. I mean, uh, other than getting your law degree and being a good debater, is there some specific training that you give people or that you handle uh, it, with, with new people? The, the way I like to describe the training I got from the lawyer who was my mentor is that I say that he threw me in the deep end of the pool and yelled words of encouragement like, swim! (laughs) (laughs) Um, I joke, but to a certain extent, if you have good people, um, you need to put them outside of their comfort zone. Um, You throw them in the deep end of the pool. You keep a close eye on them and make sure that they're swimming well. And, uh, and you throw them a lifeline when they need it uh, or give them advice along the way. And, uh, and you train them by bringing them along. Um, I have uh, one lawyer who was uh, two or three ballots away from winning the national debate championship uh, about 10 years ago. And uh, he has second chaired with me on at least five trials now. Um, and he's a second-year lawyer going into his third year. Uh, if he was at a uh, big law firm, uh, hundred or more lawyers, uh, he'd be lucky to have seen a courtroom by now, much less second chairing that many trials, jury trials and uh, arbitrations. So um, by showing them how it's done by bringing them along and then every once in a while kicking them into the deep end of the pool, uh, that's how you train them. Uh, let's look at your firm. Let's talk about your firm in terms of growth and what the future has in store um, what uh, do you have a specific strategy for for growing the firm? Well, I, I don't know that I would say I have a specific strategy. Um, one of the things that is, I, I guess, is not terribly unique to law firms is that you grow as the business comes to you. Um, one of the ways that we acquire businesses is by acquiring people. Uh, so we're hopeful that um, as our name and reputation gets out there that we will become more and more attractive to uh, partners out there who have a book of business and want good lawyers to help them handle that business. So we're going to be out looking for that kind of lateral growth through adding people who have books of business. And then we're going to attempt to uh, enjoy organic growth through building our reputation, doing things like this. Uh, appearing in public forums, um, participating in um, continuing legal education seminars and that sort of thing, and then um, continue to bring on quality people. What, what uh, you know? What's most enjoyable about uh, being in the legal field? What, what do you find is, is kind of a standout uh, something that uh, makes it great? Every day is different. Um, I handle cases. I've handled cases involving professional wrestlers. Uh, if you go to my website, as, you ma- as a matter of fact, you'll see that I was on Greta Van Susteren uh, about six or seven years ago when um, Chris Benoit, the wrestler who lived down in Fayette County, killed himself and his family. Chris mm-hmm. was my client, uh, and his father hired us to help and assist with uh, trust and estates issues. Um, I've represented... Uh, 
minority wrestlers in connection with race discrimination claims. I represented Rowdy Rowdy Piper in a contract dispute. So I, I do that, and I represent the Development Authority, Fulton County, dealing with revenue bonds. I represent developers in lawsuits where they're defending themselves against banks, and I represent franchisees who claim that they've been defrauded by franchisors who sell them businesses that go down the tubes and cause them to lose their life savings. I recently had a case out in, here in Gwinnett County where I tried it for a week, and we got a judgment for uh, two uh, sisters who lost everything, and we got them a verdict for $1,155,000. Um, so, um, you know, that's, that's the, the diversity of issues. And then being able to do something like that, helping people who, who've lost everything and who need help, that's very rewarding. Excellent. Thank you very much, Carrie Ictor with Ictor Thomas. Thank you so much for being on the panel this morning. Sure. Next in our broadcast, we have Dr. Paul Feldman. Welcome to the show, Dr. Feldman. How are you? Very well, thank you. Great, great. Dr. Feldman, give us some background about Advanced Aesthetics Plastic Surgery Center and what you do there. Advanced Aesthetics Plastic Surgery Center is the uh, largest uh, plastic surgery practice on the south side of Atlanta. We cover Fayetteville, Fayette County, Henry County, Coweta County, and Troop County. We have four board-certified plastic surgeons, and we have a state-licensed um, accredited surgery center. We do uh, co cosmetic surgery, and we do reconstructive surgery. Okay, great. You know, let's uh, talk a little bit about body contouring. You know, with new moms, you always hear them saying that I need a mommy makeover. Can you talk to us about that and what's involved in a mommy makeover? And is it just for mommies? Uh, no, it's not just for mommies. Um, <laughs> okay. it's, it's become more and more popular. It's actually um, um, multiple surgeries done at one time. It actually contours the abdomen, contours the breast, and other parts of the body. It involves uh, typically a tummy tuck as the base procedure, liposuction of the surrounding areas, and uh, breast enhancement of either um, lifting the breast up um, with a breast lift, augmentation with breast implants, or a combination of both. Okay. And what about abdo ab abdominal plastic? Yes. That's the uh, fancy name for a tummy tuck. Okay. And is that something that can be done without using drains or? Well, actually, there's a new procedure that actually uses progressive tension sutures and allows us to do the procedure without having to put a drain afterwards. Drains actually can be um, discomforting and actually um, makes the uh, post-op period a little bit more um, difficult. Now you mentioned that part of that um, multiple surgery with the whole makeover also involves liposuction. Can you talk more about safe liposuction? Well, uh, actually safe liposuction is, a, um, is an acronym for um, a three-step procedure. Um, it has, uh, which stands for, S is for separation, mm -hmm. A is for aspiration, and FE is for fat equilibration. Um, it's, uh, um, typically, the standard um, liposuction would be just aspiration. Um, and now, so by making it into three stages, you can actually get a smoother, uh, more uniform um, removal of fat. And if, you, if the fat is uniformly removed and you have a unif more uniform um, remaining level of fat, then your skin, your skin should behave better and have, be more even. Okay. And with the labiaplasty, let's expound on that. You know, I know I hear a lot in the media about older women who are opting for this procedure. Can we talk a little bit about that? 
Yes, um, um, labiaplasty or female aesthetic genital surgery is um, um, actually a relatively um, newer procedure. It's becoming more and more popular. It ha- helps with um, for people who have complaints about asymmetry, um, excessive protrusion, uh, discomfort, and um, irregular contours. Okay. It can be performed on the local anesthetic, and um, patients are very gratified by the procedure. Okay. We're talking today with uh, Dr. Paul Feldman with Advanced Aesthetics Plastic Surgery Center. Dr. Feldman, uh, let's back up a little bit here. Let's talk about the rear end, the back end of things. Uh, you know, what? Uh, how much improvement can be made in the buttocks area? I know you, you must deal with that from time to time. Uh, buttocks enhancement um, is actually becoming more and more popular. Um, it's become more a focus of um, plastic surgery in the population at large. Um, basically, uh, buttocks enhancement entails improving not only just the buttocks itself, but all the surrounding areas that um, frame frame the, the buttocks. And um, um, most of the time, it's liposuction to try to um, remove the excessiveness around those areas and allow the contour of the buttocks to um, um, come out and then um, actually using that fat that we remove to actually enhance and augment certain areas of the buttocks. So you take it out and you put it back in? Correct. Take it out from the areas you don't need it and oh. put it in the areas that you do need it. Okay, okay. Great. Sounds awesome. Uh, what's new in facial aesthetic surgery? Uh, facial uh, aesthetic surgery is actually undergoing a big paradigm change. Um, we no long, um, especially for the aging face, um, we no longer think of it as just excess skin, but actually loss of volume. And um, the um, because of the um, ex, um, because of the new paradigm with loss of volume, um, our treatment strategies have changed as well. So no longer is it just pure facelift or neck lift but actually adding volume as well afterwards. So people lose, their faces literally do sag as they age, and you kind of give them Correct. I mean, uh, the, a fresher look. The thought behind it is actually that the uh, central core uh, volume is actually diminishing. It's both um, volume from bone mass, um, fat mass, um, that um, goes away. And actually, uh, the previous attempts at just pulling tight without adding volume would give a more surgerized look. Do you see more... Uh, Activity in the in the neck, or is it uh, mostly in the face, or both? Uh, you know, let's talk about neck lifts. Well, neck lift is traditionally um, taking away the excess skin and also the excess volume of excess fat, and that's a uh, more of a, a, a repositioning procedure, and it's done um, really just with surgery itself. So, do people just do you find yourself uh, you know focusing more on just one area, or do people go in for the whole thing, the whole? Well, Enchilada, as they say. Well, the, the fun part about it is actually sometimes people will come in with one um, concern, and then you can actually analyze the entire face, help point out what is, um, what is your, your opinion is um, the issue, and putting it all together for the patient. So many times they'll come in focusing just on the neck, but they don't realize about the cheeks or the eyelids or those type of things. You know, there's a there's a term, I guess, you know, anesthesia is uh, anesthetics kind of sometimes a concern for people. Um, what uh, Let's talk about the laser, um, laser anesthetic. Is that uh, is there a term for that? that uh, people laser, are? I mean, um, 
Blepharoplasty, well, something like that? Well, um, there's blepharoplasty is eyelid procedure, ah. and it's actually taking away the excess skin of the eyelid. Most specifically, um, this is referring to the upper eyelid skin. And um, one of the tools that we can use for it is, the, is a laser. And really with the laser beam, we can cut the skin and remove the excess skin um, without leave, and it, the laser beam will actually seal and um, the, the skin, and you'll have less bruising and swelling afterwards. The procedure can be done under local anesthetic. We're listening to Dr. Paul Feldman with Advanced Aesthetics. Uh, Dr. Feldman, a uh, lot of fillers, a lot of uh, no wood fillers, I presume, but there's a lot of fillers out there and um, a lot of injectable products that I think people get concerned about. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yes. Um, um, actually, it's an exciting development for all of the f- um, facial enhancement and rejuvenation, um, especially it actually helps with uh, people of earlier ages. Um, a lot of people saw showing early signs of aging in their 30s, and they're too early for surgery, and we can actually enhance the area's loss of volume with fillers. Um, they come in multiple different varieties, and we offer... Um, I offer all those types at the, our company Med Spa, uh, Truffles Medi Spa. The um, and then actually with people who actually have more aging and have excess skin, um, not only do we reposition and take away the excess skin, but we'll re- um, add volume to them um, as sort of like finishing touches or adding the um, trim work to the um, to the um, to the uh, reconstruction. Is this one of those things, once you get started, you can't stop? It's more like once you get started, you don't want to stop. You don't want to stop. I mean, you actually, most of the time, I think there's a certain fear factor, but actually, once people actually uh, go through the process, enjoy the results, um, they want to take better care of themselves. We're, let's talk about uh, licensing. Uh, is uh, What's going on in that, in that realm? Uh, you know, certifications, you know, um, state licensing, things like that. Should, what should people look for? Um, well, actually, we're very proud of our um, surgery center. We have a the, um, we operate out of a place that's actually state licensed and uh, accredited. Those are two standards that actually are difficult to meet, um, and actually gives a more uh, gives a, a safer environment for and uh, for the patient. Excellent, excellent, Dr. Feldman. How should our listeners reach out to you uh, if they want to get in touch with you or talk to you further or get an assessment or or whatever? How should how should they get in touch with you? Uh, they're uh, more than welcome to give us a call. Um, our phone number is 770-461-4000. Uh, we have uh, patient coordinators who are very helpful and um, uh, helps people guide through the um, and process. And um, also our website is uh, www.plasticsurgerycorner.com, and they can put in an um, inquiry through there. Thank you very much, Dr. Feldman. You've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud, brought to you by CDI Managed Services. Next, we have the pleasure of speaking with Tom Leatherberry with Leatherberry Associates. Welcome, Tom. Good morning. Tom, tell us about your company and what do you do? Leatherberry Associates is a technology solutions provider. We specialize in CRM, integrated email marketing, and workflow automation. Workflow automation, what is that? Workflow automation is simply the process of taking human-based tasks and automating them. It's not automating a... um, 
let me let me correct myself. It is the process of automating a business process that often takes uh, an exorbitant amount of time to complete. Uh, this could be something as far as simple as data entry. It could be document management. It could be uh, integrated data between systems. So you're basically taking a business process, you're automating it to save time and costs. And why would you say that that is necessary uh, in a business? In this country, we are the most overworked workforce. Uh, we have employees, as Carrie mentioned earlier, we have employees who are going home at night. They're on uh, their uh, they're on their email, they're on their uh, laptops well into the evening answering uh, emails and addressing business-related causes that uh, in, in a global environment are literally taking them beyond an eight-hour workday. So because we're overworked, because companies are, our budgets are being exhausted, this is a way in which companies are able to reduce the amount of manpower that they need to hire. They can repurpose existing manpower to, uh, to fulfill the jobs that they've been hired to do, and uh, they can essentially uh, simplify their, their processes by having it all automated. Right. It's definitely a necessity, I see. Now, what types of businesses would you say uh, primarily would use workflow automation software? I like to refer to this as a, ver a horizontal vertical market that we deal in. Uh, there is no specific industry. Uh, it can be anywhere from the legal industry. It can be in the, the medical. Uh, it can be in human resources. Uh, traditionally, people talk about sales and marketing uh, in organizations that would utilize this. If, uh, if you have a sales opportunity that perhaps is estimated to close this month and uh, the sales rep hasn't communicated with the prospect in the last 30 days then you can be, receive an alert notification. Uh, in the world of accounting, we can utilize this to automate uh, invoicing. So our invoicing goes out much, uh, much faster. We don't have to refer to or wait on uh, data entry of invoicing. Uh, so we can automate our invoicing. We, we can automate our collections process. So it doesn't matter necessarily what industry. Everybody has the same need uh, every organization. Tom, can you give us an example of... Um how workflow automation is used? I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, recently, we had a hurricane, well, almost a year ago now, Hurricane Sandy blew through New Jersey. Uh, a client of ours in that state, their office sits on a hill and was surrounded by water, so none of the employees could get into the office. And it was a period of about 10 days in which there was absolutely no activity going on uh, as far as the employees coming into work. Remote employees and clients, prospective clients, were able to still communicate with the, the organization because the, the, the building was running on servers, or excuse me, running on uh, generators. And because the generators were running, the servers were running. In that time, our workflow automation process was able to receive inbound email requests from the website. It was able to process uh, and distribute leads to outside sales representative. Uh, reports were being generated on a, on a daily basis and being emailed out. So essentially, even though the, the building was closed and the employees weren't able to get into work, it was still business as usual. Now, obviously, there's a cost. Uh, there was a loss uh, to the organization because of the fact that the employees were out of work. Um, but as far as the outside world goes, it was business as usual. Tom, what's the best way to learn more about um, workflow automation? 
if you have a, a business partner that you deal with, uh, if, if you currently have technology in-house, uh, whether it's a data management service, whether it's a, a data center, whether it's a CRM business partner, uh, that would be a good person to, to uh, reach out to. Obviously, Google is a, is a great resource. Uh, ideally, we would love you to communicate with us uh, through our website, which is leatherberry.net. How do you, you know, what, let's talk about ROI, return on investment, because when people, you know, make change and do that, um, can, what what's one way, you know, that uh, people can look to see what their return on investment is and, and their expectations for that? Often ROI can be difficult to calculate because in many cases, organizations do not realize how much money they are spending on a particular business process until it is put under the microscope. Uh, though a simple example of ROI is an organization of ours or a client of ours is spending an exorbitant amount of time each month doing manual data entry of their invoicing. So they had three people who were targeted to or tasked with entering information into their QuickBooks accounting software. Uh, these were very lengthy, extensive invoices, and it took them about six weeks to get one month's worth of invoicing out. In uh, through our efforts, we were able to reduce that to a, a task that was uh, 15 minutes a month. One person would spend 15 minutes a month essentially reviewing a data that we assembled automatically, and then uh, the email invoicing would go out. Uh, in that first month, they received a check from a customer in the amount of $87,000, and they called the customer and said, why did you send us this check? And they said, well, because you sent us a bill. So I would say that was a great ROI on that. That was an invoice that they never knew that they even had uh, owed to them. We're listening to Tom Leatherberry with Leatherberry Associates. Uh, Tom, uh, what makes Leatherberry Associates unique? What makes you guys different? Well, we stand in a little bit of a niche market. Uh, back in 2002, we released a product called CRM Links, which integrates uh, CRM software with uh, small business accounting. It allowed us to survive, if you will, the, uh, uh, the downturn in the economy a few years ago uh, because of the fact that people depend on their accounting system holistically. It is the lifeblood of their organization. So we're called upon by customers across the, uh, across the country from you know, Hawaii all the way to Connecticut and all points in between to ask our assistance in, in uh, integrating their systems with their accounting uh, and that has allowed us to kind of broaden our, our scope of, of what we can do. Uh, we've learned a lot about different businesses across the country and the different uh, markets and how they operate. And so now what we're focusing in on is specifically Gwinnett County. We're taking this knowledge that we've gained nationally and we're bringing it to Gwinnett County uh, where, we've, uh, where we are based. And uh, we'd like to show businesses here how they can essentially – uh, compete on the national market or points beyond. Tom, is there something that uh, you enjoy most about uh, your industry? Uh, what I enjoy the most is the fact that every day is a different day. Um, the tasks that I have today are nowhere near what I had yesterday. Uh, every customer has a unique problem, and so we're trying to figure out what, how to solve that problem. Uh, so I enjoy... Working with our clients, I enjoy the results that we're able to provide to them. And just literally at the end of the day, hearing or seeing the smile on their face, whether it's over the phone, over the Internet, or in, in person, just knowing that we, we provided the solution that uh, is making their lives a lot easier. They can get home to see their kids. 
uh, they can get home to their lives instead of working that extra 10, 12-hour day. Tom, uh, tell our listeners what's the best way for them to get in touch with you. The best way to communicate with us would be through our website, which is, again, leatherberry.net. Our telephone number is area 770-291-2242. Nicole, let me circle back with uh, Carrie Ictor. Uh, Carrie, I forgot to uh, ask you how our listeners can get in touch with you. Uh, well, you can either get us um, by the old primitive method of using a telephone. Our telephone number is 404-869-7600. Or you can visit our website, which is www.ictorthomas.com. It's I-C-H-T-E-R Thomas.com. Thank you. You've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud, where we talk business to business. A special thank you to our guest today, Carrie Ictor with Ictor Thomas, LLC, Dr. Paul Fellman with Advanced Aesthetics Plastic Surgery Center, and Tom Leatherberry with Leatherberry Associates. We appreciate you all for being on the show. I'm Nicole Toptosh, along with my co-host, Dominic Rainey, with CDI Managed Services, where we talk with companies to maximize their investment in IT infrastructure and cloud solutions and support. To listen to this show and other Silver Lining in the Cloud broadcasts, go to silverlining.businessradiox. Until next time, remember, when it comes to IT solutions and cloud support, CDI Managed Services is your Silver Lining in the Cloud.